To the church in Sardis. To the angel of the church in Sardis write. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds and finished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but who acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hi everyone, it's good to be with you. Um, my name's Jacob, if I haven't met you yet. And thanks for being here. Um, well, I wonder what comes to mind when you think of a dying church. Maybe you think of an old crumbling building down a backwater street. Maybe something like this. Forgotten building. There's like five people in the congregation and the average age is like 120. Or maybe you think of one of the earlier churches we met in Revelation. Maybe a church like Smyrna where they were under immense persecution and people were likely being killed for following Jesus. My guess is you probably don't think of a church with hundreds of people in it, with great community integration and outreach, with loads of events, awesome music, gifted speakers. I think that's why what we just read in Revelation is so shocking. Because Sardis is like this. It's a church with a reputation for being alive but we're told it's actually dead. Over the course of this series, we've been looking through these seven different churches that Jesus is speaking to across the province of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And it's been great because we see that Jesus is speaking to real churches. These are real Christians dealing with real problems. And today's no different. We're looking at the church in Sardis, which has a great reputation but inwardly, we're told, it's actually dead. And so it raises this question, what went so wrong? Well, today we're going to look at three things. We'll first look at why the church in Sardis is in such an unhealthy state. And then we'll see what Jesus says is the cure for the dying church. Then we'll hear why this cure is worth seeking. So what's wrong with Sardis? What went so wrong? Well, Sardis is a church which outwardly has a lot going on, and we learn that at the end of verse 1. You have a reputation for being alive. And if we look at Sardis on a map, we can see that it was a town in the middle of many other different towns, and actually had an intersection of five major roads coming into it. And so it likely saw a lot of wealth come through. That could maybe explain why they have this reputation for being alive. They may have seen great growth. They may also become quite wealthy. But whatever it was, this reputation had spread around that Sardis is the church to be at. 
Sardis probably looked to the other churches in Asia like a model church. Lots of people, well regarded in their community, certainly not a dying church. But if we keep reading verse 1, we're told that they're in fact dead. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. So from the outside, it seems like a lot of good happening, but inwardly, it's a wasteland. It's dead. It's kind of like looking through a telescope at Mars. I've got a photo up here. I don't know if anyone's done that before, but it's hard to see in here, but it's, it's quite stunning, actually. It has amazing textures and kind of patterns, and it's a beautiful red planet, amazing surface. Um, now, I must confess to being a bit of a nerd. Um, I've subscribed to this channel on YouTube, which it provides regular updates on the Perseverance and Ingenuity, which are two of the recent Mars vehicles. Um, anyway, they send back regular photographs of the surface of the planet. Uh, let me show you one. This is the surface of Mars. There's not a lot going on, is there? It's just a barren wasteland. It's dead. Now, most of the time, we get back some new images of the surface and the landscape around. But every now and then, we get a photo of an interesting-looking object, which gets people speculating about what it is. Maybe it's a strange rock, some kind of anomaly. But it turns out just to be a bit of debris from the landing craft. I think it's funny that we've somehow managed to litter on another planet millions of kilometers from Earth. There's nothing going on there. The church in Sardis is kind of like Mars. From a distance, it looks amazing. But as we peer closer, we can see that it's dead. That's awful. Imagine if that was us, our church. That we had this great reputation, but really, really, we were dead. That'd be horrible, wouldn't it? And it reminds us that our reputation is not actually what matters, because Jesus knows our deeds. He knows the truth about our state. So what is this problem? Why is Sardis considered dead? Well, we can figure this out by what Jesus tells Sardis to do in verse 2. Jesus says, Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. That is, there's something missing in what they do. Their deeds are unfinished. So what is it that's missing? Well, let's keep reading. In verse 3, Jesus says, Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. They'd forgotten something. Well, what is it that they'd received and heard? Well, it was the gospel. And what does Jesus say to do? He says, remember, therefore, what you've received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. He gives them the cure. And it's so simple. All they need to do is to remember the gospel. And that's the big point here. Something they already knew, but they'd forgotten. So Jesus tells them to remember it again. They need to hold it fast rather than their reputation 
They need to hold on to the gospel and they need to repent. It sounds so simple. The cure for this dying church is it's not like finding a cure for some disease like cancer. Think of how many millions and billions of dollars have been spent over the years trying to discover some new breakthrough which will help scientists develop a cure. But what we're seeing here, it's not like that at all. The cure they need, it's not complex at all. Not anything new. They don't need a PhD to find it, or millions of dollars. The cure for Sardis is simple. Remember the gospel. Remember the gospel. And this is something that we need to hear too. We need to keep remembering the gospel. We might be tempted to think, oh, we're a pretty good church. We have great music. We have tons of events, steady growth, kind and loving people. And we can have all these things, and they're really good. But if we forget the gospel, we're dead. We're nothing more than a, than a dead church. So let's keep remembering the gospel. And let's be honest, the gospel was really wonderful news. It's so good to remember it. The gospel tells us about God, who created everything, including us. And when we didn't treat him as God, he didn't give up on us. Instead, he became one of us. Jesus, the man who is God, came and lived among us. He lived the perfect life, and he died for us. Because we'd done wrong. He is our substitute, taking the punishment that we deserve. And he didn't stay dead, though. He rose again, which is what he promises to us. A life restored back in a right relationship with God. And as Christians, our reputation means nothing because we take on the righteousness of Jesus instead. Isn't that good news worth remembering? <laughs> Don't you think? It is, isn't it? So how do we do it? How do we make sure we don't forget it? Well, I think uh, a great way to be reminded of what God has done for us is by reading his word, specifically the four books of the Bible called the Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are eyewitness recounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Meeting together is another great way to be reminded of the good news that we share. But it's also a great way to remind each other, isn't it? And can I encourage you to keep doing that and keep reminding one another? One thing that's really worked for me is singing. Singing together at church is awesome, but also singing by myself. I have this Spotify playlist, which is full of songs that remind me of the truths of the gospel. And I'll generally belt them out when I'm driving or just doing chores around home. I might get some funny looks from other drivers but it really helps me to remember what I believe. And maybe it could help you too. But no matter how you do it, can I urge you, friends, to keep remembering the gospel? But why bother? Why should we bother remembering the gospel? 
Why is it so important? Well, Jesus talks about the two possible outcomes to the church in Sardis. On the one hand, he warns them about what would happen if they don't do this. But he also tells them the amazing things that will happen if they do. We look who's talking to them in verse 1. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now back in chapter 1 we saw that the seven stars are the seven angels to the seven churches. And the seven spirit is just another way of talking about the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus. He holds the messengers to the church and he holds the Holy Spirit in his hand both of which he gives to the church. But he can also take them away, can't he? So what does Jesus say will happen if they don't listen to him? So look at verse 3. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. That is, there's an unknown time when Jesus will return. And it's not good, Because the church in Sardis is currently dead and needs to wake up. So when Jesus returns, will they still be dead? Or will they repent and wake up? But look what Jesus says will happen if they do repent. In verse 4, we get a pretty vivid image, don't we? Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. Now, I have a baby niece, Hattie. He's actually here today, up the back. And I'm sure my brother and sister-in-law can tell you what soiled clothes looks like and smells like. It's not nice. Scott was actually telling me the other day about something called a poonami. Anyway, I don't want to go into details, but it doesn't sound nice, does it? But on the other hand, when Hattie has a clean nappy and clean clothes, it's lovely to be around her. That's the image we get in verse 4. Jesus says, They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. We have this image of purity and walking with Jesus. These people aren't concerned with their reputation. They remember and hold fast to the gospel. And this is what's promised to them. And that's exactly what's promised to those who do repent. Look at verse 5. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. If they repent, they will join them and walk with Jesus, their Saviour and King. Jesus continues in verse 5. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life. They were just called dead a couple verses ago. But Jesus is saying, if they repent, they will actually be written in the book of life. It's a complete reversal, isn't it? They will have an eternity which is secure. And look, Jesus continues, but I will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. See the change here? Rather than their own reputations, they will rely on the word of Jesus spoken to his father. And in verse 6, we hear the familiar call, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That is, do it. If you're comprehending what Jesus is saying, then do it. 
This isn't like taking some kind of medication to help with the sickness, which has all kinds of negative side effects. Friends, the effects of remembering the gospel are only good. You will walk with Jesus dressed in white. Your name will never be removed from the book of life. You will be acknowledged by Jesus before God the Father and his angels. Isn't that so good? We desperately want this. So let's do it. Let's keep remembering the good news of which we can rely on. So I wonder what you think an alive church looks like. Is it a church with great music, tons of events, steady growth, kind and loving people? Well, no, not necessarily. As we've seen today, an alive church is one that remembers the gospel. So let's keep doing that. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your amazing love. And we thank you for sending your son Jesus to live, to die for our sins. And Lord, we thank you for raising him from the dead and giving us new life as your children. Father, we pray that you would help us to remember this great news and to never forget it. Amen.